It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you. I want you to learn ideas from me so you're empowered with ideas that will help you save more and spend less and avoid getting ripped off. I said ideas twice. That stinks, doesn't it? Clark.com's our main website. You want to save money? you got to check out ClarkDeals.com. Now, speaking of Clark Stinks, that's a place we have for you at Clark.com where when you feel I've given bad advice, incomplete information, didn't listen well to somebody asking me a question, whatever it is where you feel I failed to deliver, I want to hear from you. And that's why you can go to Clark Stinks and post where you feel I need to rethink my opinion, my attitude, what I say, the advice I give. Now, you can read the posts that people put on Clark Stinks. You can comment on them. You can start your own thread or comment cycle of what you feel I'm not doing as well as I could or doing poorly. Then each week, Krista, our producer, goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares her favorites with you right here on the air. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, I'm going to start out with something that's on most of our minds right now, and that is the flu. A couple of posts to read to you about the flu. Here we go. Clark, buddy, some days you do great, and other days you just smell like the gym socks I left in my locker over summer vacation. Just so you know, that doesn't merely stink. It reeks to the point where you have to stop, drop, and roll just to leave the area. (laughs) Wow. About a month ago, you actually encouraged people to get a flu shot. I know you did this because you believe that somehow this will help people's immune systems stave off the flu or that other benefit, quote, not getting it as bad or as long as you otherwise would, end quote. Oh boy, Clarky, you went so far as to suggest it could be life-saving. I'll give you that. It could be, but there's not any clear-cut evidence that they are the the least bit efficacious. Follow the money, efficacious. Clark. Efficacious? <laughs> Whoa! Follow the money, Clark. There's a reason Big Pharma is trying to give everyone a flu shot. They make cash off of each one. This year's statistics suggest the flu shot was 10% effective. If your advice was that ineffective, you'd have to have several hours a day of Clark Stinks. At least your advice is free. I saw a billboard yesterday and a pharmacy was charging $40 and they don't refund your money if you catch the flu. If they did guarantee it, then you'd have something to talk about, but they don't. These shots literally are a stab in the dark, not to mention they have certain chemicals in them that are are only in there to keep the stuff fresh. And I'd rather have the flu than those chemicals in my body. I think you should only recommend these if they're guaranteed to prevent the flu. Otherwise, it's pretty much a scam that you're falling for. And then, should I read the second flu post? Go ahead, go ahead. Paging Dr. Howard, if a pharmacist does a flu swab and it's positive, how will that save the patient's life? The drug Tamiflu has never been shown to improve mortality over placebo. All the studies on it, paid for by the manufacturer, show decreased length of symptoms from 7 to 6.3 days. There are minimal, if any, decrease in hospitalization or secondary pneumonia. I only prescribe it to people with immune suppression, AIDS on chemo, heart transplant, etc. Diagnosis does not save lives, only effective treatment does. Dr. Pignoli. Thank you, doctor. And you're right, I am not a doctor. Uh, interestingly enough, I have an uh, unusual family connection. My father-in-law is an expert in vaccinations and leads 
seminars for doctors around the country on vaccines. And he is strident about you having a flu shot. And my wife, who has had H1N1 and influenza B, both is uh, someone who is a fanatic about getting the flu shot. The good news on the flu shot is that researchers are much closer to a vaccine that will be a one-time vaccine that will be all-encompassing, like for so many other illnesses that used to be a threat to life or health that are available. I don't want to jump into the whole vaccination thing because there are people who are totally opposed to vaccinating their kids, totally opposed to the concept of vaccines. I'm on the other side of this and feel that it is a reasonable, smart, and necessary thing to do. Dearest Clark, it has been a long time since I've heard one of your irrational rant and raves about red light cameras. I hope this gives you another opportunity. And they printed out this article about red light cameras in Chicago that I've shown to you. Yeah, the uh, Insurance Institute for Highway Safety, which is an organization that I quote regularly, is a big fan of red light cameras and believes not just from the study done in Chicago, but research they've conducted around the country that in spite of intense public opposition, that red light cameras do in fact prevent accidents and reduce injuries or fatalities. My problem with red light cameras all along has been that these things are installed by local governments as a tax, that they are designed to specifically raise money for a local government. If they really were about safety, then it would not be specifically on a business model that was how much income it could generate for a local community, if that really was the issue. There have been many scandals involving red light cameras where the companies that contract with local governments with a wink and a nod from the local government shorten the yellow time so they can issue more tickets. So if these cameras really are effective, they should be implemented in a way that leaves no question that the purpose of them is to save lives and reduce injuries, not so that local governments can cash in. Clark, you had a caller the other day that is getting her phone service from the phone company and was looking on how to avoid paying their rip-off modem rental fee. You said you were not aware if you were able to buy your own gateway router. Really? Come on, Clark. Think eBay or Craigslist. Over a year ago, we negotiated the cost of our Verizon Fios internet service and bought a pre-owned gateway router on eBay. It cost roughly half of what the internet company was selling theirs for. Anyway, I love your show and all the valuable money-saving advice you and your team provide. Keep up the good work, Dustin. Dustin, thank you for that suggestion. And I was not aware that you could avoid the charge for the gateway devices from AT&T and Verizon. So you're teaching me something that hopefully will save your fellow listener a lot of money. Clark, and by the way, what you missed, if you missed that particular segment of the show, that call, is that if you have cable service for your internet, never, ever, not ever, lease a modem from the cable company. Buy your own, 
You can buy them most anywhere. You'll pay very little money to buy one. You'll make up the cost of the purchase in usually around five to seven months. Then after that, you're saving money each and every month. Clark, I cannot stand the word stinks, so I won't use it. And it is so melodramatic. So I will just point out that you were in error when you recently told a caller to park his money, which he would need access to in the coming months, in a simple savings account because he could withdraw with, from without that without limits. No, Clark, there is a federal law that limits transfers or withdrawals from savings accounts to six per month. Beyond that, your bank will first charge you a fee, and if you continue to break that rule, they will close the savings account and convert it into a checking account. And Ally Bank does charge a fee if this happens. I know because I had been using one of my accounts as a sweep account. No, you can't do that. Just keeping you informed, Clark. I appreciate that. So I never get into sweep rules because there are very few people that would ever apply to. But the thing is with the savings accounts, it is very unusual that someone would make more than a couple of transactions a year. What I'm trying to get you to think about is that if you have money deposited, you're fortunate enough to have a decent reserve fund, and you have money deposited in a bank checking account or a traditional bank savings account, they're ripping you off. They're paying you virtually zero interest. So if you link that to an online savings account, you'll earn interest right now. The top of the market's about 1.65%, which isn't a lot of money, but it sure is a lot better than zero. And so using it where you're constantly transferring back and forth will not work. In a case like that, you want to do your checking with one of the discount stockbrokers where you could move the money as much as you wanted to and from an interest-bearing account and not have any uh, fees like you described, like the one you got hit with by Ally. Clark does not stink, but maybe he has not thought of this. The last time I shopped for a mortgage, I refused to give them my social security number, and I told them what my credit score was. I also said I knew that the information they gave me could change if the credit score was not accurate. I was able to get several quotes and did not have to do it within a one-month time period. No hard hits on my credit score. That's a brilliant suggestion, and I never have heard that suggestion Generally, the thing with somebody applying for a mortgage is that we tend to do that, lock that in in a very short period of time, and you only are treated as if you had one hard inquiry, even if you make dozens of inquiries of mortgage lenders all in a short period of time, because the thinking of the credit scoring models is that no one's applying for uh, or buying eight or ten homes at once. So that's why it's only treated as one inquiry on your credit report, which would lower your score by a meaningful amount of points, somewhere probably around 15 or so points. But your idea of saying, this is my score, let's shop, that's a really good idea. 10 pence food program. Dear Clark, although this sounds like a good idea to implement in the states, there's a liability issue in most states. It is not illegal to sell expired food, even though most people will not purchase it. The issue is that if the person who bought the expired food would happen to get sick, that store that sold the expired product would be liable for any illness that may have been incurred from consuming it. 
Jim from Wisconsin. Jim, thank you. And if there is a liability risk, that's up to the laws to change. Because if stores are able to keep from throwing out food that would be perfectly safe to consume, we need to do that with the number of people who are struggling every month to put a decent meal on the table. I appreciate all your posts. Please go to Clark.com, code Clark Stinks, and let me know how I can serve you better. Mimi is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Mimi. Hi, Clark. Nice to speak with you. Well, great to have you here. How can I serve you today, Mimi? Well, I'm going to be um, going out of town next month, and I'm going to need a rent-a-car for five days. And I'm noticing that there are, like, a lot of prices, so I wondered... Is it okay to go with the least expensive company that I haven't heard of, or do I should I stay with a familiar rental agency? Well, okay, so you know I'm the cheapest person alive. And that's what I want to do. And I always talk about how I'll accept lower quality for a lower price. Uh-huh. And although I say that, I will tell you I will not do that with what... I refer to as a third-tier car rental agency. Oh. Because if you read reviews on some of those no-names that you're looking at those low prices on, uh-huh. you'll say, oh, my goodness, I am so glad I didn't rent a car from those people. Oh, wow. So I don't know an exception to that either. Okay. So you got the, you got the big names. Let's see. The bigs are... Uh, the biggest of all is Enterprise, uh-huh. National, Hertz, Avis. Did I mention Alamo? Those uh-huh. are the those are the bigs of the car rental business. Okay. And then there's a second tier, which would be like uh, Dollar and Thrifty. And I'm trying to think, is there any other? Is there a sixth? Oh, sixth is um, yeah, sixth is a company I don't have a lot of experience with. Mm-hmm. They are a very minor player in the United States. But what I would do, what city are you going to? San Diego. Okay, so you could go to Yelp, put in San Diego, and put in Sixth, and see what people are saying. Oh. Or you could go to TripAdvisor uh-huh. and put in Sixth and see what people are saying. Okay. And get a sense if it would really be okay. Okay, and if, if I go to Hotwire or any of those kind of places... Are the prices, will they all be the same, or should I be searching in a certain... All right, so the way it works is, like, if you go to Priceline, which is usually the cheapest on a car... Okay. You will only be with one of the major car rental companies. Okay. But you buy it non-refundable, so if your trip changes at all, you just walk away from the money. Okay. But what I like to do... Is you know if you're looking at a multi-car rental shopping site like RentalCars.com, uh-huh. which is a very good one to compare companies, and then you see what the cheapest is you can get from a company you're okay with renting from, you go to Priceline and bid twenty percent below that. Oh, okay. And how soon is your trip? It's um, first week in March. So you're at a point you should be shopping it. Yeah. All right. So uh, you may have heard me say this before about car rentals. If you don't book with Priceline, one of those non-refundable ones, book whatever car you're going to book today. Oh. And then I want you to reshop the car 
the week you go. Oh. Because often if car rental bookings are softer than the car rental industry anticipated, uh-huh. the rates for the car could be far cheaper just before you travel. But you already know you have a car because you book now and you can cancel car rentals mo- usually without any fee, any expense. Uh-huh. And so that way you know you have a car, but you also know later if you follow up, you can get a cheaper one. Oh, Okay. Okay, so I, I could feel pretty safe when it says um, no cancellation fee to go ahead. 100%, absolutely fine. You can book it, know you're going to have wheels, and just hope later the wheels get cheaper. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you and your wallet. I want you to learn ideas from me so that you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. You can follow me at facebook.com slash Clark Howard. And don't forget, if you are struggling with debt, we have our ever-growing Facebook community on our Ditch Your Debt group, and we have thousands of people helping each other, supporting each other as you try to get out of debt, get your finances under control. So, Transportation problems, which I talked about recently, the congestion in cities and all the rest, is leading to some really innovative ideas around the country that also prove at the same time to be controversial. A lot of times you'll maybe live in a suburb, you're coming in to a city for an event, there's a lot of traffic, congestion, all that. Parking can get really expensive. Let's say you're coming to a concert venue or sports arena or whatever and they just clobber you on the parking what if you could park like a mile or two away and then zip there on some kind of little electric vehicle well that's a solution that has happened very heavily in europe and asia and now is appearing in one american city after another And so you become a subscriber or you do it uh, any of a number of ways. Uber now is testing an electric bike that you can pick up. And they're doing this in Northern California as the first test market. You pick it up anywhere where you see one and you pretty much drop it anywhere. And you go at a speed of like 15 miles an hour. And if you want to pedal, you can on it but the idea is that it allows you to get around in tight urban spaces and you get around much quicker than people in cars and what's happened in a huge number of metro areas in the country are bike paths in the core city or areas in the outer ring of a core city and you're able to get around in such a way but there are people who don't like this at all like biking purists, and there's been a huge fuss about bird rides. What's bird rides? It's a little electric fold-up scooter that you can rent by the minute, and you use it just to get from point A to point B, usually a couple of mile ride max, and it takes you, again, at 15 miles an hour, and People are not happy about having these 
miniaturized scooters that people are riding and getting that last mile done. And it's funny because we're going to have to be so creative as more and more people are moving into cities, living in tighter confines and having a lot of situations where they need to get around. Our producer, Joel, if he drives to the studio, has often a 45-minute drive, but now rides an electric assist bike many days, and your ride goes from 45 minutes to? 28. 28. And you're away from traffic for the most part on bike paths. Yeah. It's super freeing because I know exactly when I leave the office exactly how much time it's going to take me to get home. And in the car, it could be it could be 30 minutes, but it, yeah, it could be 45. And so I, I just have no no idea how long it's going to take. And uh, as anyone in this town can tell you, the traffic just gets to be it just gets to be super frustrating sitting in it every day. And how many miles is your ride? About seven. So that's really great. You're going seven miles. In 28 minutes. Wow. Yeah, the the electric bikes fly. And if you're on bike paths, not waiting at stoplights and stop signs, you know, you, you're not stopping at all almost. So, yeah, it's pretty wonderful. So this is, there's going to be all kinds of new transportation initiatives, new things. At CES, when I was at, uh, that's the Consumer Electronics Show, when I was at CES last month, one of the things I saw is a vehicle that is being used experimentally in a part of Maryland, but being used routinely in Munich, Germany, that is an autonomous vehicle that even people that can't see, I mean, blind, what do we say, vision impaired now is the right term? Anyway, people who are uh, handicapped in some way or are blind can get in this vehicle and talk to it and tell it where you want to go and then... It is an electronic, electric, fully autonomous vehicle drives someone to where they're trying to go. And so the changes in how we move around are going to be so extreme over the next 10 years that there are things that are going to happen that we can't even imagine yet. But I'll tell you one thing that I am certain is going to happen and that is fully autonomous vehicles are 100% part of our future and sooner than any of us really realize. Adam is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Adam, you want to talk about 529 plans. Yes, that's right. And you live in the great state of Nevada? I do. And do you know that your state has one of the best 529 plans in the whole country? Well, I've heard you say that before. Um, So I knew it was at the top of the list. So how can I be of service to you? Because you sound like you're already up to date and speed on 529 plans. Yeah, so I've got three kids and I want to, I've got them in private school right now. And I just wanted to know with the new tax laws, how that all worked with, uh, pulling money out of that uh, plan, or I haven't even started a plan, but uh, just wanted to know the, the you know, mechanics of that, how it all works, and if I should put money in there 
and then pay their tuition short term or if it's even worth it to put money in short term and pull it back out so quickly, you know, year by year. No, it's only for a longer term play. And I addressed this just recently on the show, but I want to make sure that your fellow listeners are aware of this. It was a change in tax law that allows 529 money that before could only be used for an eligible college expense that up to 10,000 of it each school year can be used towards a kid's private school tuition. And so that way the money grows tax-free for whatever period of time and then is used for tuition before college. But the thing is, the great advantage of that Nevada 529 plan you're in is the tax-free growth that you develop over a long period of time and then the tax-free spending. When you use the money for um, elementary, middle, or high school, private school, you're generally not getting enough years under your belt to make the tax-free growth and spending truly worth it. Okay, so you wouldn't sense. want to use money that later on you'd say, oh, I don't have enough money to pay for the kid's college because I used it paying for private school before college. You wouldn't want to do it. On the other hand, Adam, if you are somebody really throwing money into that 529 plan and you know you're going to be on schedule to have enough money for your kid's college and then you want to use uh, put additional money in, and use it towards private school tuition, that's fine. But I would say get somewhere like three or more years of tax-free growth in that money before you'd use it for private school tuition. There's no advantage to putting the money in and then the next month putting it towards the tuition. Okay. How much, I'm just curious, how much is your kid's private school tuition? Uh, each child's about 6000 a year. My goodness, you have the greatest bargain private school tuition ever. <laughs> well, in the state of Nevada, we passed that energy savings account as well, but the uh, Democrats up there at the state legislature didn't give us a funding mechanism for it. So we were set up to get each student about $5,300 a year for private school funding, but they put the kibosh on it this year on funding it, so... But I can't believe your private school tuition is that cheap. I mean, here I am, the cheapest man alive, and my kid's school tuition is, well, it's a great deal more than that. Let's just leave it at that. So you maybe you're the one who should be giving advice instead of me. Joshua is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Joshua. Hello, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you. Joshua, you are 22 years old, and you already bought your first home? Yes. Do you know you beat me by a year? Really? I was 23 when I bought my first home. That is outstanding. That is outstanding. Yeah, it's taken a lot of work to get where I'm at now, so I'm I'm definitely very proud of myself, but there's more work to do, and, and that's kind of why I've called you today. All right, let's see if I can be of service. Well, I want to start I want to start a retirement plan um, for myself and my wife, and I'm trying to figure out what's the best way to go ahead and get a head start on that without, you know, breaking the bank in the sense of it, it costing a lot more than I'm able to put in. Um, I'm really looking for like less than $1,000 to start it with, um, and then probably a year I could contribute, you know, 2500 But I'm going to give you a couple of options. 
Okay. Okay. One of them is, have you ever heard of Betterment? No. All right. So Betterment is a company that that offers investment and retirement accounts that are really, really well thought out and very affordable. And so okay. you don't have to have a lot of money to open one and you fund it as you can over time for retirement. And I really like what they do because they charge tiny fees to have an account with them. Now, Sweet. as an alternative, I wanted to mention is waiting till you have a thousand dollars and opening a Roth IRA, and then when you have your next thousand, open a Roth IRA for your wife, or vice versa. Let her go first, right? And put the money in a target retirement fund with Vanguard. Are you familiar with the company Vanguard? I've, I've heard you mention them before because I'm an avid listener, um, but that's why I definitely wanted to get a little more information. So with Vanguard, you pay uh, virtually no fees at all to have a retirement account with them for the management of the money. It's almost right. free. And the Target Retirement Fund product I like so much because you just put your money into the Target Retirement Fund and... You pick the year closest to when you're going to retire, which for you would be so far in the future, it's hard for me to picture. <laughs> so like 2060 or something like that. And yeah. they just manage it all through the decades for you. And then once you've got the thousand in, you add to it as you wish in amounts yeah. that would cap out at 5500 each year. Good problem to have getting to the point where you can put 5500 in each year for each of you. Yeah, exactly. That would that would definitely be a pretty good problem to have. So I would look at both. I would look at Betterment and look at Vanguard and see what feels the best to you. Sweet. I appreciate that, Clark. And congratulations again for being in a position where you've already purchased a home. That That's just extraordinary to have done that at 22. Well, I appreciate that. It's taken a lot to get here. Well, the fact that you've done it is why you should be so very, very proud, Joshua. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Will is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? Great, thank you. How can I be of service to you with you today or to you or whatever we want to say? 
<laughs> well, uh, I have been getting some phone calls for the last couple of weeks uh, from people I don't know, and they insist that I call them because uh, my number oh. appeared on their caller ID. Oh, you are uh, not the first person I've heard from with this problem. Well, <laughs> the, it, they're insisting, and I don't know who they are, and I've never made the call. Right. And, um, they're not the lying last... to you. Let me tell you what's going on. Oh. There are liars calling them, having I... the caller ID list you as the caller. What do I do? Because this is a, a lot of numbers. <laughs> right. You're, so this is a this is a terrible problem because any this is this is just amazing. Any scammer today, at uh-huh. almost no cost, can fool the caller ID of anybody. Oh, and, and lovely! So, so right, so it'll show. Uh, it could show my name and number, which uh, has been a problem that has been reported to us is that. Somebody's making calls that appear on people's caller ID as coming from me. And, uh-huh. and uh, this, this is such a hassle for you. So I'm going to give you a suggestion that is going to be crazy, but it's the only idea I've come up with to deal with this. Okay. And that is that if you get a call from someone who's not a friend or family member that you recognize right away you don't answer the call uh-huh let it go to your voicemail and you record a message for your voicemail explaining that uh you've been hearing a number of reports from people that a criminal is is using a technique where they're popping up your name and number on caller id and that you are very sorry that they're being inconvenienced but you are too Oh, okay. Because there's so my, nothing you can do to stop uh, this other than change your number, and who wants to do that? Right, right. We can't uh, complain to, like, uh, our carrier or the Everybody's FCC. aware of it. Ah, okay. And so far, nobody has come up with a technological solution to what was considered to be a great solution at one time. Caller ID was considered to be such a great value. So you yes. could choose when to answer and when not to. And now mm. criminals are completely messing that up and making it instead a product of deception instead mm-hmm. of a product of information. Well, okay. <laughs> so, that explains that. I how many people have called you so far? It's been over the last two weeks. It's been at least uh, five, ten. Okay, five. I'd say that's enough that you should consider recording that message and only answer a call when it's somebody you know you want to talk to. And let your voicemail do the talking till it, till it settles down or goes away. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I appreciate you tuning in to The Clark Howard Show. And if you'd like more fun stuff to listen to by podcast, well... We have our Empowerment Zone. This is where you get to hear the stories of people that have done amazing things, either in overcoming hardship in their lives or things they've done to accomplish. Go to Clark.com slash Empowerment Zone.